coming at you. Hey now, it's the weekend. It's payday. It's time to grab a beer. It's Brewing Company. Roll the open. I am not musically gifted at all. I sing in the shower quietly to myself. Pat Brubaker back here with I had to think for a second if that was my name or not. My apologies. I still can't believe I almost forgot my name. This bird cage has had, I think, one too many helpings of bird seed tonight. Welcome in, everybody, or maybe I can say with confidence, welcome back to Bruin Company. I am your host, Matt Brubaker. Thank you for being here for episode two. If you listened to episode one, thank you for that as well. Uh, episode one, I thought, was pretty solid. And I think by the overwhelming amount of feedback that I got from you that listened, I think I can say with confidence that, that you thought it was pretty good as well. So thank you for listening to episode one. But I also wanted to start the show today on that theme of thanks. And I wanted to thank you guys for that feedback. I was very moved by not only how much, but really what you guys had to say. That, that's what touched me the most. And I, I just wanted to thank you for that. It was very overwhelming in a good way. And I wanted to touch on just a few of those um, compliments. The first one was a, a coworker of mine that uh, I think he's retired now, but we got to know each other pretty well uh, through our golf league. And that's why golf's such a great sport, because whether you like it or not, for four and a half hours or two hours and 15 minutes, if you're playing nine, you're stuck with those people. But I wasn't stuck with this gentleman. Uh, I don't know if he'd want me to say his name, so I won't. Uh, but he, he was a good friend of mine. We've become close. We're Buckeye fans. So easy friendship, right? Golf, Ohio State, you're good in my book. But he just sent me a text. I didn't prompt him. I didn't ask him, hey, what'd you think? Man, you really got talent. He said, I can picture your voice in my car on an ESPN affiliate. That I think it was the first text that came through. And it really touched me because I wanted to be on the radio. And I had to leave that dream. I had to, I was forced to, I didn't want to. And it just never sat well with me that I had to leave my dream at really such a young age. So that was very touching. So thank you. And, and you know who you are if you're, if you're listening. The second one, I think, was the one that maybe smiled the most. And it was really cool because a, a lifelong friend of mine, I think I've known her since seventh grade. I think we quote unquote dated <laughs> in seventh grade. Um, and let me, let me check off this box because I promised her I would if I could. But I don't know if I can play music and songs on this show because I don't think I have the license to do so. This show is not going to put me in jail. Um, better not. I remember going out on a date, I think just once with this girl, and I think I wore orange and she just complimented me. Hey, you look good in orange. I do, but I don't look good in orange with numbers on the back of the shirts. So let's not go to prison here. So I can't fully um, finish off the promise. But if I could, at this very moment, I would play Nelly Furtado's Man Eater for Ashley Myros, who is now Ashley DeLong. But uh, she and her husband, who I hope to have, on the show as well as a co-host. They just had a baby together. It's their first, uh, a little daughter. And Ashley sent me the, I think it was a tweet, but as well a text that said, uh, you know, her daughter, I won't say her name, but her daughter is listening to the first ever podcast and her first ever podcast. And she was smiling, laying on her back on the bed. And I, that just made me smile. And she was really cute. And, and that just, that touched me uh, from a smiling standpoint. So thank you for that as well, Ashley. I don't think you mind uh, your name out on here. 
Uh, a couple others just from friends of mine, uh, a friend of mine from high school, he listened and he said to me that it just made his Friday better. And now that he's even more so looking forward to paydays and he will be a consistent listener. Guys, that's the point. That was the whole point of my idea. And I know you're excited about paydays. I am too. I mean, I just got paid today. I love it. And, you know, the contract for me is if you stop paying me, I stop going to work. That, that's the contract. But that kind of proved that my idea works. And, I, and I'm glad to hear that because sometimes you have an idea in your head and you're conceited enough to think that it is a good idea and it totally fails. And I, I hoped that wasn't the case. So that was confirmation that I might be onto something. So, so thank you for that one. And then I think I have to give some credit here to a friend of mine who I think a lot of our conversations as I was getting into this new job uh, about Ohio State football with, with this gentleman kind of influenced me to push this idea a little bit further along and maybe a little bit faster. So I, I made the reference that I'm a middle lane driver and I am. But talking with this guy and talking about Ohio State, and he's very smart about Ohio State football, and we're very similar in the way we are fans of Ohio State. Talking with him, I was like, dang, I should have pressed record, and I could have had a couple of episodes done. So thank you for the inspiration to push this further along. But what he also said, and I'll just read it off my phone. Uh, He said, buddy, I'm absolutely staggered. What a fantastic first episode. I loved everything about it. All biases aside, if I had stumbled onto that on accident, I'd be upset there was only one episode and I'd be marking my calendar for the next one. It was so good. I think your idea for the podcast is unique. It's really fun. And you absolutely killed it. It just, I'm not usually speechless and thank you. (laughs) That's I just feel that I have a talent. I have a calling. I just believe that this was what I was designed to do. Um, Now, I'm not able to do it professionally and get paid for it, get paid very little for it. Um, But this is a way to maybe I should say have it all, you know, be able to provide for myself and not worry about not having any money in the bank account. But those couple of comments prove that I, I think I'm onto something here and I'm just going to keep riding this train and see where it takes me. But it was at least confirmation that it works. So thank you to everyone that reached out. And if I didn't kind of feature your thanks, that doesn't mean that it didn't mean something to me, but those are the ones that I remembered and that, that really touched me. So thank you for, uh, for all of them. It was very moving. So thank you very much. Uh, I want to talk a little bit as well about how I was able to annoy all of you uh, a couple days before this actually started. So I went through my entire contacts list on my phone, A through Z. I don't speak in hyperbole. I went through everybody. And I just figured if I'm going to put all this work into this and the the pre-production and then the post-production, I at least want someone to listen to it. So I went through my entire phone and I texted everybody. So I just figured I'd do my due diligence and, and reach out and connect with, with really good people. And I realized that in my phone, there's a lot of really good people in that phone. I am very blessed to have so many good people that I'm close with. 
and they're in my phone and I can just text them and say, hey, how are you? And I realized as well that COVID has done a really good job of abruptly stopping, interfering, and interrupting friendships and connections. It's got me. Uh, it's really hit me hard. I'm a people person. I get energy from being around good people, energy from being around the right people. And, you know, sometimes I, I need to get the heck away from everybody because let's face it, some of the time we're tired and we don't have the energy and I catch myself sometimes. I, I kind of see someone in a distance that I know. I don't know if I 100% know them well enough to go up and talk to them in Kroger. So what I do is I veer off into like the diaper aisle and I just look like I'm shopping for diapers because <laughs> I don't need diapers, at least not yet. And I don't have kids that need them. But most of the time, 99% of the time, I'm a people person and I get energy from those interactions. Doing all of that and all the texting on those couple of days prior, uh, I realized that I hadn't been able to make those connections in the last couple of years, thanks to COVID. And it was a way for me to almost feel after I was able to talk with everybody that, you know, COVID could stick it, you know, and it was, it was very energizing for me. And I just enjoyed that. And I, I didn't send out just a copy and pasted text that was impersonal. Uh, it was, Hey, how's your family doing? Great job so far, coach on this milestone, or how's your new baby doing? How's the new house? Stuff like that. And then I also just slipped in, Hey, just want to let you know, this is what I'm doing. And it was just fun to talk to everybody. It was very rewarding. And I just enjoyed the reconnection, but it came with a little bit of a price because after the end of that, my right hand felt like, and looked like Chandler's in friends when he was playing Pac-Man, if anyone is a Friends fan, you, you might catch the reference, but I was sore. That's pretty pathetic, but I, I felt like Chandler for a little bit, but uh, I just realized that there's some really good people in my phone and that I just haven't been able to connect to as often as I wanted. And I did so in a matter of a couple of days and, you know, head coaches, national champions, both players and coach. Um, people are working at universities. You know, I have a friend of mine kicking butt at Wake Forest. So thank you to everybody that put up with me and the random text, and it was great to catch up. The second thing that I wanted to do and at least begin the show by doing on the theme of thanks is to give a shout out, and it's going to be to my golf coach. So shout out to former Ashland golf coach and my golf coach, Darren Jones. And, and I'll say why in a second, but the reason behind that, a couple of my buddies at Ashland who were younger than me. Uh, when we were in school, they also had a radio show and they, I don't know why I didn't tell them to do this. They just thought it was funny. At least once an episode or once a show, shout out to brew. It, it made me feel good. And I've just been kind of taught if someone does something good and, and you appreciate that and you appreciate them that you let them know. So I'm going to let you know publicly, uh, shout out to coach Darren Jones. And, and the reason that I'm going to shout him out is kind of twofold. One, I have to go all the way back to 2007. Some of you that know me know that I obviously went to Ashland for radio and TV, but I also went there for golf. I also quit golf. <laughs> I quit after the fall season of my freshman year, so still 2007. But Coach and I and the players and the athletes that were on that team, we are all still pretty close, and I'm very proud to say that. And I think the reason that at least 
for Coach and I and our friendship and relationship. The reason behind that is, is because I quit the right way. I quit in person, face-to-face, and I think he respected that. And I respect the fact that he respected that and that we can still be friends. I think a lot of people are really quick to write people off today, and, and I'm glad Coach didn't do that to me. So thank you, Coach, for that. But the other thing about it was, is I just had so much on my plate. I needed 27 hours in a day to make it all work because I wanted to do radio. I wanted to do TV. I wanted to dip my foot in the pool. I just didn't have time to go swimming. So I just didn't have the heart for golf anymore. I didn't have that passion and the energy to devote hundred percent to golf. And I just, I felt it was time. And what he told me back then in the, the small pro shop at Ashland country club was he just warned me and basically told me to not leave a good opportunity and not do anything with the time that was going to be afforded to me by quitting golf. And I think it was very good advice because, you know, a lot of people can take advantage of that time in college and just really maybe mess up their life. And I, and I promised him, I said, Hey, I have radio, I have TV, newspaper, obviously school, um, sleep. I had to dominate convo. They had really good meals at convo, but I just didn't have the time. And also I just didn't have the heart to continue with golf. I appreciate that advice in 2007, but then also thank you to more current times. A couple of days before the first episode premiered, he said, Hey, I'm really excited for the podcast. And I told him, I said, I think it would be really cool if this thing takes off. I think I have a good idea. I do think it would be cool if this thing became popular. And he was very smart and very quick to say this. He said that it really doesn't matter if this becomes what maybe people would say a worldly success or what the world defines as successful. It doesn't matter because he said, if I'm proud of the product that I put out and if I still have a passion to do it and I do it the way I want and like and think is best, and if the world's not ready for it, that's their problem. That's fantastic advice. My motivation behind this is not to be worldly successful. It's to connect with people and to give me an energy and that passion that I had while I was on a microphone at Ashland University for nine years. That's the motivation, folks. If this becomes huge, we'll all go to Florida and I'll pay for it. How about that? That'll be my next promise. It just never sat well with me again that I had to leave my dream so early and I've had that itch and I wanted to scratch it. Remember in Big Daddy, I have eczema eczema grows. Well, how do I get it to stop itching? I don't know. Scratch it, I guess. Well, I'm scratching folks. So with that, thank you to everyone that listened to episode one. Thank you for the feedback and the compliments and just really meaningful words that you, that you spoke to me. And then thank you. Shout out to Darren Jones for advice back in 2007. And then just to set a perspective here in 2022. So without further ado, I need to introduce someone else that's going to talk because I need some water. I want to introduce one of my best friends. And like Porter, I stood by him at his wedding back in early October of 2021. Like Porter, I don't think I've seen him since that wedding. And like Porter, he's just a fantastic person. He's really funny. Uh, I've never met someone that doesn't love this person. He's fantastic. And even if he would say something to you that's insulting to you, you're still going to laugh. And I think that's a fantastic quality that he possesses. And one of my best friends who's now here with me today, and I'm very proud to have him on the show, 
is Andrew Podolak. He wants to sound professional, but I'm going to call him Pod because I've been calling him that for years. So Pod, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. And I'm really glad to have you here. Absolutely, Matt. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to be here with you, having some fun on the podcast. Uh, payday Friday, always a good time, man. Yeah, man, it's it's finally here. The weekend's here. Payday, we, we finally at least are rewarded for our hard work, which is kind of the point, right? Yeah. So I told you off the air before we actually agreed to do this, that if it wasn't for Porter and us doing 77 shows together, you would have been my number one. So I hope you don't feel bad that you're, you're 1A in my book. But <laughs> Pote has always been my guy. I know you said you wanted to be called Andrew to sound professional, but man, you've been one of my best friends forever. And you're easily one of the people that I always call first if something goes good or bad. So uh, tell everyone about yourself, a little bit more about who you are. I know you've had a big last four or five months in your life. So just share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you think is interesting before we get started here. Yeah, absolutely, Brew. So um, yeah, I, I grew up with Brew, um, school throughout most of our lives. And um, he's been a real good friend of mine as well. One of those guys you can always count on for whatever whatever you need, call him. Hey man, I need this. He's, he's right there. So I, you know, I love him. He means, means the world to me. He stood up there with my wife when we got married back on October 1st. Um, you know, so that was absolutely incredible to have him there with his support. Last, like Matt said, the last four or five months were super stressful, super busy, even dating back before that well over a year. Um, my wife and I, you know, embarked on the house buying journey, which as you know, in this market is absolutely insane. Uh, we actually ended up deciding to build a house rather than to buy a house. Um, yeah. So, dude, crazy. I mean, crazy from the beginning, start to finish, all while still trying to plan a wedding <laughs> and try to figure all that out amidst, amidst COVID once we already pushed it back one time. So, I mean, just absolutely insane. Uh, Do you recently, feel rested at all? Do you feel like you can sleep? Because I know you work a lot too, buddy. Yeah, I definitely work a lot. Um, you know, I, I work in a very... Uh, fast-paced industry. So uh, to answer your question, do I rest? Not really. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's tough, man. I mean, I think Pode is, is very humble in when he introduces himself here, because let me just prop you up a little bit. So oh, September of 21, <laughs> we go on a bachelor party for the big man. And I think by 7, 8 a.m. I think you texted me and said, I'm already six beers in, so that it was a good weekend. It's my bachelor party, man. What do you expect? You know, my brother was driving, I just was having a good time. We almost died. So we had <laughs> September was the bachelor party, October was the wedding. Obviously, November being Thanksgiving, that's big. And you guys celebrated your first Thanksgiving and Christmas together. You guys are also building the house, you've moved in. But the other thing is, not too long ago, you guys celebrated your first Valentine's Day as a married couple, and then the next day was your birthday. So you've had a big last, what, four or five months, and I hope that maybe we can add this as the second episode co-host to your list of big accomplishments here since <laughs> September, buddy. Yeah, man, it's kind of like the cap to the uh, the end of the wild ride, right? It's kind of like yeah. that last turn, and you, you're getting off the roller coaster, and, oh, man, that was so much fun, and kind of just gives you a moment to sit back and reflect on it. Obviously, like, you know, you won't forget your wedding day or anything like that, but it just, it goes by in a blur. So um, it was crazy. It really, I mean, like, just just really crazy, really exciting. Uh, obviously, you know, first Valentine's Day was, you know, was great for us. We looked at each other we're like, hey, hey, we're not doing presents this year just because you know, everything else we just did in our lives for the last four or five months. Yeah. Um, I still got to get, you know, my wife flowers and 
Jeez, that's, gosh, the, that's the foundation, man. If you skip the flowers, you are screwed. You you have to yeah. get the, at least flowers. Could not believe uh, the word inflation on flowers at the grocery <laughs> store. Uh, I just I, unbelievable astronomical price tags on a dozen roses. I mean, that's insane. Forty dollars for a dozen roses, and they're not even that nice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, it's like, you talked about reflecting back and how time flies. So, as Pode mentioned, we've gone back a long time. I think it goes back to like eighth grade almost. Um, yeah. People that know us well would be very surprised that maybe where our friendship really began was at a church retreat as leaders <laughs> of the Catholic church, like confirmation retreat, which I mean, we're good guys, but at the same time, we like to have fun. And the story that I'm going to bring up takes us back to high school at uh, the good hallways of Pickerington North. I was a senior, Pode was a senior, and we felt like we ruled the school. And we were the we weren't the most popular kids in the school, but we definitely weren't the least. But I had my TV badge from WPKN, which allowed me at any point throughout the day to just roam the halls. So you and I, I think we were taking that class with Mr. Thompson. I think it was called Short Stories and Death. Do you remember this? And we would get to class at least 15 minutes late and we were never in trouble. And we would just roam the halls. We would find other people that were in class and point and laugh at them. And man, we felt like the, the most important kids. And so we'd go talk to the principal or get in trouble there. Assistant principal, dean of students, Mr. Eula, Mr. Forrest. We ruled the school because of that WPKN badge. <laughs> I mean, you, you break the rules a little bit and have fun and get away with it. You know, yeah, we're you might as well do it a little bit. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, we do it while we know we're graduating in you know, a month. I mean, I think that was second semester too, wasn't it? Was. it? Yeah, we yeah. were. So we were. We're on the uh, brink of getting out of there. What's the? We're like lame duck presidents. You know, we were going to graduate, <laughs> and you know the best part is, Mr. Thompson still respected us, and we got an A. We had a party like every couple of weeks with food, like that. Kids, if you're listening and you go to Pickerington North, if that class is available, take it because it was fantastic, and get a WPKN badge. Yeah, because then you could be hosting your own podcast one day, like this guy too. Yeah. So. And then reflecting back a little bit more, this is a little bit more of an embarrassing story on my end, but we call it Bruin Company. So there are some brews involved, and I think it's about time we at least open ours. So today, folks, if you're wondering, I'm cracking a rolling rock. Uh, you're in a very dark room, Pope. So I'm going to ask you, what are you drinking? Yeah, sorry about that. I, uh, but uh, I am drinking scotch, actually. Um, scotch, my, okay. my brother-in-law got me this for my birthday. I've never had it. It's called Royal Broccola. 12 year uh it's a uh, single malt scotch whiskey i i want to ask you you know we're only going to do this for like an hour no one one you know one glass per per uh, topic i think is pretty fair so <laughs> okay i i know after i think i hope you listened to the first one with porter did you were you a little worried or a little bothered by maybe uh, porter's bourbon collection i know you were impressed with the 80 bottles but do you have some smack talk to give them I do actually. 80 bottles is not really, uh, that, that's pretty impressive. That's a, that's a big collection for him to go. Sorry. My, my wife just, she's going to wine and dinner night or uh, wine and paint night with her friends. Okay. She came by and kissed me on my cheek. So I, I apologize. You know, you can't leave the house without getting a little sugar. So, um, <laughs> but to top, so swing back to the bourbon thing, 80 bottles is really impressive. And for somebody like Porter, he said he really didn't even know, you know, he did too much about it. He's still learning. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. I almost wonder like what kind of bottles he has. Um, if he even knows what bottles he has, he may have some really good bottles that he doesn't even know about. So um, I, I am a big collector as well. 
since since you brought up your wife, uh, we I have to thank her for a big piece of this show. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was probably right after we went to the Kipmore concert and I recovered from me not throwing up in the Uber, <laughs> saved everyone $50. But she's like, hey, I'm going to take this photo of you. We're going to put you on a on a dating app, which went over terribly. But the photo was taken in like portrait mode. And mm-hmm. not often do I look at a photo of myself and say, you know, I'm at least like a seven out of 10. But that photo looked pretty good. And that photo, I didn't get any success with the dating app, but I did use it for the cover art of the show and kind of tweaked it a little bit. Personally, I think I look really good as a cartoon figure, not a real person. So your wife was the one that took the photos. We have to thank her for that. Absolutely. Uh, But I also know that you and I like to share a lot of jokes. And I, I always kind of make fun of the fact that I'm still single and alone and I think you and I, and I think everybody that's dating has a type. I, I think everyone has a, a list of that's things fair. they like, and I think yeah, they have a, a list of things that they don't like. So have I told you what I've added to my don't like list? Well, Matt, that list has gradually gotten longer and longer and longer throughout the years that I've known you. So um, I think you're up to like four pages now. I'm just kidding. You're not really. But what have you added, sir, so we can all reflect on this? Yeah, I, I've added to my list of types that I will not go after tennis players. And do you know why that is? You know, I could really throw a guess out there, but I'm not going to. All right. I'll just tell you. I'll be straight up with yeah, you. Yeah. What you got? Love means nothing to them. Because <laughs> if you That's think about it, good. 40 love, love means nothing to them. So I've added tennis players to my list. To, to avoid when it comes to dating the next person. How, what do you think about that? Is that okay? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, All I right. think that's, I like, I like what you said there. Plus, yeah. you know, and you know, you're a golfer, the tennis player, you guys, I think you guys maybe clash a little bit as well. You know, you're <laughs> wanting to go play 18 and she's wanting to play no love. So um, you may just hear that Eminem CD pop on in the background. So, yeah. So I, I've added that. So that's an update on my, uh, my lists and my types, but I do want to let everybody know there is an update on my Wordle craze. Have you done the Wordle? I asked Porter. No, I have not. I will tell you that when I listened to your podcast last week, that was probably the first time I can remember that I have ever even heard of Wordle. So it intrigued me, but I will tell you that I did not download it and I did not play it. Okay, that's fair. Hey, you can't get everybody. I'm trying to be like Brian Hartline here as the Ohio State wide receivers coach and recruit as many people as possible. And I think over the last almost two weeks, I think I've gotten about five or six people, one of which is my brother. But I have to tell everybody, and I feel very bad admitting this, but I want to be honest with you. I was all bragging about my 34 for 34 or whatever the perfection streak number was. But I tell you what, man, uh, I feel great shame today to let everybody know that I am no longer 100%. My streak ended at 34. The word that I screwed up was shake. And apparently a lot of the world screwed it up too. But one of my words ironically was shame. And that's how I feel. So I'm no longer 100%. I know I got a little bit of feedback asking, hey, I thought you were going to quit. And then once you missed one, I was going to, but you know, like you're a baseball guy. I'm a golfer. We both played basketball. You don't end on a miss. So I've started a new streak just this morning. I got it in two. So I'm back, baby. So if you want to give it a shot, I'll be happy to tutor you and I'll I'll get you into the craze, man. But I have to let everybody know I let you down and I take full responsibility for my actions. 
Hey man, 34 more days and you break your previous record. So it's a, a positive thing to look forward to, you know? So. Yeah. So if you want help, I'll be happy to do it, but I'd also like to help you on one thing. And I know I haven't seen you in a while and I feel really bad about that, but I think I let you down when you were talking about your house. I should have advised you to build the ugliest house on your street, because if you build the ugliest house, then you don't have to look at it, but I, your house That's is gorgeous. True. That's uh, true. Looks nice behind you. So I'll have to take the tour. Uh, <laughs> you will. Second. You have to come check it out. We're doing a lot of work. Now, as we look around, there's empty bedrooms and <laughs> not enough furniture, but you know what? We'll get all that stuff in place and we're just enjoying, you know, the ride of picking everything out and kind of making it our own home. Well, congratulations, so my man, as we get into, the, I guess, the topics of the show. You've had a, a big last five months and I'm, I was happy to be there for a lot of it. And I'm glad yeah. you're here today to, to talk some football, Likewise. some baseball, and then some golf. So uh, maybe as one of your housewarming gifts, I can get you a Bills flag. On my street alone, there are three Bills Mafia other homeowners. Wow. There's a gentleman four doors down that flies a huge Buffalo Bills flag out at his garage. Uh, as you go around the corner, there's two more Bills fans. Uh, they're both from, you know, both from Buffalo, too, and came down here. So I can only imagine next year during football time, I imagine we'll probably have some pretty epic Buffalo Bills parties. Um, I'll get you a table. I can't, you know, it's funny, Matt, and we'll, we'll talk about the bills more here, but I am utterly surprised and also amazed at how much support I have seen the Buffalo Bills get over the last few years, especially since the emergence of Josh Allen. But it, it's just incredible to see in central Ohio. I mean, I can find a bill sweatshirt on the, on the shelves at the mall and you never expect to see that, you know, it's always Bengals, Browns, Buckeyes. So Really cool to see, you know, a team from another state kind of come in and start to put a foothold and, you know, start to see a growing fan base here. Absolutely. And for those of you that don't know and why you're asking, why are they going back to Bills? Well, first of all, Pode is from New York. He's a big Bills fan. He's also a Vikings fan. But the first topic we're going to talk about today kind of focuses on the Bills and the Chiefs game, but it really just talks about our reactions and our fandom and how we, quote unquote, live the game uh if any pod knows uh pod likes to make fun of me for my ohio state fandom but he also i think respects it at the same time so i want to ask you buddy uh that bill's chiefs game might go down as one of the best football games to ever be played i thought yeah. as they were up with 13 seconds i think i texted you dude this is incredible congratulations on i then i stopped myself and deleted it and then i said See, hope, i love hope you they for can that. hold yeah hope they could hold love on. you for that but dude that game was incredible so Take me if you can, if you want to, just a, a short version of your range of emotions from all oh, we're going to lose, all oh, we're leading, all oh, we're going to lose, holy crap, we're winning to, oh, God, we just lost. Yeah, crazy. I mean, I think, the, I think the best word to describe that game as a fan is a perfect understanding of emotions, right? And that's, that's what sports are, is, is they're – they're a perfect sense of emotions. So I, as a, as a former athlete, I always try to keep a very objective mind during sports games, but it's extremely difficult when you have a vested interest in your, in your team. So like for the bills, oh my gosh, especially in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, we went to, I went to roosters with one of my buddies and we sat there and watched the first two quarters we were throwing back Coors Lights because they didn't want to have Labatt Blue on draft, which is a heartbreak considering that's a beer from upstate New York slash Canada. 
um, that you may find in every hockey arena. However, you know, we're drinking Coors Lights, eating appetizers, and, and looking around the Roosters, there's, there's tons of Bills fans. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. You know, there's, they're just everywhere. And, uh, you know, the place is going nuts every time they score the big play on defense and uh, heartbreak when the Chiefs score on the other side. And uh, up and down, up and down, up and down. We ended up leaving um, right in the transition from the third quarter to the fourth quarter and going back to my buddy's house who lives, you know, half a mile away. So we didn't miss any of the game. And I, and I couldn't sit down. And I think that's, you know, one of the things for me as a sports fan, I can't sit down in a moment like that. I'm not playing. I'm just watching the game, right? But I'm so mentally invested into the game yeah. because I, I, I see the range of emotions and I feel, uh, you know, how the players feel. I, I, I see the excitement. I, I see the turmoil that they face. So, you know, every player is there. Uh, I, I care. And, and, you know, what's funny is, is I'm not out there playing. I'm not going to. I'm not feeling that if they win or if they lose, but I, I just, I, I have that sense of, you know, man, if I, if they know how much I care, maybe they'll, maybe they'll pull it through. Or yeah. if I cheer loud enough in the TV, maybe they'll, maybe they'll complete this pass. Right. Yeah. But that's not, I mean, that's not, that's not reality, at least in you know, front of your TV. Um, but that last three to five minutes of that game were heartbreaking. And once again, Joyful at the same time. And it just and then the way they lost. I mean, football is fantastic because it's such a team sport. And um it, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. And as a fan, it makes me want the next season to start tomorrow. Um, not taking anything away from Cincinnati and the Chiefs. They played a heck of a ball game too. I just, you know, I I liked our chances if we could have got past Kansas City. They knocked us out last year, so there was definitely a little bit of you know revenge circling in the air and crazy, crazy game. And I know it segues into you at Ohio State, and I I respect you as a fan because of how passionate you are. Yeah, but, but I'm also nuts. You you are nuts, but <laughs> it's a sweet balance, man. And that's, and that's what it comes with the sports. You know, everybody's got their kind of their itch when it comes to sports. Some people are a complete lunatic and they flip cars in the street. Then you have a fan that's, you know, very invested and, and, and very realistic is a good word because I don't like it when they give excuses. Yeah. You brought up the Buckeyes and we can tie it in a little bit uh, easier. So first of all, I don't think I would be out of line to say, if you're a diehard Bengals fan, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I, I pride myself on being a very passionate Ohio State fan. But I also, because I worked in radio for nine years, I hated the people that came up to me and blamed the refs on a loss. It didn't matter what sport, because to me, the blame the ref guys are also the same guys that don't know the sport or didn't watch the game. But I will say this, when, you, when you're talking about the Super Bowl and the range of emotions, I've never gone into a Super Bowl watching the game, hoping for a team to win. I'm always wanting to be entertained. But my next door neighbors, they are Bengal fans. I kind of wanted to watch the game with someone rooting for that team. So I went over to their house and it was a great time. But I think Bengal fans have a beef at the end of the game, the last two minutes, with the holding call on that middle linebacker. He wore number 55. And no, it didn't cost them the game. But that was a large storyline of how the outcome ended. And I honestly think if that's not a holding on that linebacker, it's fourth and goal from the eight. And then who the heck knows how that goes. So if you're yeah. a Bengal fan, I bet you feel as a Bengal fan the same way you felt after the Chiefs game. It wasn't a refereeing thing. 
it was just, man, we had it. We were so close for the yeah. side. It was 13 seconds away. I would relate it to me going back to the 2020 playoff game against Clemson. Again, I said this, and I don't say things just to say stuff. I mean it. I am a guy that hates the, well, the refs cost of the game. I hate those people because to me, you didn't watch the game. I watched that Ohio State game, and then almost, I guess, two years later, I'm still not over it. I, I still think the refs screwed us on a couple of calls, whether it was the fumble that wasn't a fumble that was actually returned for a touchdown, and it was just an incompletion. It was a J.K. Dobbins catch and stretch out for the end zone that now wasn't a touchdown. It was, inc- it was, there was just a lot. And I know the game of football, and I think you respect my fandom for Ohio State because I at least have an idea of what I'm, what I'm watching. But man, I, I just cannot get over that game. So are you able to at least move on from Bills Chiefs? Because it was a fantastic game. Are you to the point now where you could acknowledge that might be one of the best football games ever? Definitely. I mean, the, the back and forth. I mean, Buffalo scored two touchdowns on fourth and 15s. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. It, you know, in the Chiefs red zone that would have ended the game, if ended the game, as I use air quotes, right? Effectively right there. <laughs> um, to touch on your point with the Bengals, though, Matt, um, you know, that game for in the Super Bowl could have turned out very different. I know you brought up the holding call, um, but the refs missed a very big call earlier in the game Mm -hmm. that should have went against Cincinnati, which led to them scoring a touchdown. And it almost makes you wonder, okay, if they get that call, right. Is Cincinnati even in that football game? Fair enough. How does the entire complexion of that game change? So I have always been the kind of guy when it comes to a sport where you can't look at one play or one call and say, this is, this is the reason we lost the game. I've always felt that way. And, and for people to, hang their hat on that um, just tells me that they're, they're like to make excuses essentially is what it is. I I am nuts. And you would be right in saying that I would be when it comes to Ohio state football, but I think you and I are at least dare I say smart enough to see more than just the excuses. I'm not an excuses guy. Sometimes it's not an excuse. It's just fact, but there's a lot of people out there that don't want to blame the offensive line, or they don't want to blame that terrible secondary member. It's just, they're looking for someone else to blame rather than state that, you know, maybe your team just wasn't that good that day. When I say that Ohio state, I feel got screwed by Clemson. I've taken off the, the scarlet and gray glasses and I'm looking at it just from a hopefully knowledgeable football fan. And I still can't see where we didn't get screwed, but you know, it's only been two years. Give it a couple more, and maybe I'll get over <laughs> it. But let's lead into the next thing. Uh, we're going to talk just favorite NFL players. But uh, Pode has always been so generous, and he's just always thinking of others. So he got everyone in the uh, – I guess it's still called the bridal party, even though we're guys. Uh, he got all of us NFL jerseys. And you got yourself a very sharp, by the way, Josh Allen jersey. But yeah. is he your favorite NFL player, or do you have someone else that I'm overlooking? I would say currently – he is probably my favorite NFL player. If I had to go all time, um, Jim Kelly is definitely up there for me with the Bills, uh, their old quarterback. The story with him and his son who has passed away is is absolutely incredible. Um, You know, as a Vikings fan, I was always a big, you know, Robert Smith and Randy Moss fan, Chris Carter, because I, you know, those are some of my fondest memories of growing up, you know, or watching football on Sunday with my dad. What about you? Who who are we going with over there? You might know. And here's the thing. I want to tell everybody. I don't have a favorite NFL team. I couldn't care less about the NFL outside of fantasy because I'm too loyal to the Buckeyes. But I I think give it 
five seconds, and I think you could guess who my favorite player would be. Well, I could guess who your favorite player used to be, and I don't think that that's the same person anymore. Who is I, know, I know you used to really like Antonio Brown <laughs> when he was a when he was a Steeler before he yeah. completely went a wall. But yes. um, now you're not going to get the maybe. answer, and I don't want you to think too long on it. You would be okay. correct three years ago, and yes. for all you Browns fans out there. Don't come looking for me and, and trying to punch me in the face. I'm not a Steeler fan. I solely liked borderline loved Antonio Brown solely because every year he would win me $200 in fantasy football. I would find a way to draft him. I would find a way to trade for him. I would get Antonio Brown and I would win $200. So, yes, he would be the nominee, but you're incorrect, my friend. And do you want to know who it is? And when I tell you this, you're going to think I'm absolutely insane. But we should applaud and just cherish this individual because he is the best player ever. What you got? Hit me with it. Chase Daniel. I don't even know who that is. (laughs) So he was a Heisman finalist at Missouri. He's been in the league for God knows how many years. He's been a backup pretty much his whole career. And I'll tell you why we should just applaud this individual and why he's my all-time favorite player. He lives the truest form of the American dream. I'll give you some numbers. He's made in his career $38.9 million, and he's only thrown 261 pass attempts. So if you do some quick math, every time he throws a football in his entire career, $149,000, my friend, that is my favorite player of all time. That is called maximizing your potential, making money. He can still play with his kids, spend time with his family. He's a good teammate great mentor, great leader, and he's just good enough to be on the roster, but not good enough to pressure your boy Josh Allen if he's on the Bills or not pressuring Tom Brady if he's on the Patriots or the Buccaneers. Good player, not a great player, maximizing his career, hanging around in the NFL, $39 million almost in his entire career. He's thrown 261 passes. I think it's like eight touchdowns, seven interceptions his entire career. That's unbelievable. That's my guy. That's insane. Absolutely insane. So never heard of him. Never knew any of that. Remember when you were looking for jerseys for everybody and you texted my brother like, hey, what jersey could I get for Brew? He's got all of them. And my brother's like, I have no idea. If you're looking for a new jersey for me, I don't care what team, because Chase Daniels has been, I think, on seven different or six teams twice with the Saints. A Chase Daniel jersey, I'll be more than proud to wear it every week, every Sunday. (laughs) I love it, man. We also there should say go. this. Tom Brady is the greatest, and he should be a lot of people's favorite player just because of how great he is. Uh, but I, I'm not going to go with the, the chalk answer. I'm going with my guy, Chase Daniel. Very cool. And player I never heard of, and you're right. Brady is definitely the easy answer. But let's be honest. We should be looking up to this guy more and talking about that more often. Chase Daniel, I mean, the guy's incredible. He, he's been in the league. He's never hurt. Just good enough to stay in and mentor other guys. He's a great teammate, but he's not good enough to get killed on Sundays. So we got to applaud the kid or guy. Now he's older than us, but Chase Daniel, folks, go buy his jerseys, get him over the 30, $39 million plateau. We, we got to help the guy out. <laughs> yeah, he, um, he needs it. <laughs> before we move on to your, I guess, more just enjoyable topic to discuss, we do have to congratulate oh. the big man here because. Not only did we walk around Pickerington North with our heads held high and felt like we were you know, running the school, 
the big man over here, Pode, has now run our fantasy league. This guy has won back-to-back fantasy championships. It's never been done. I've run this league since, I think, 2008, and no one's ever won back-to-back. So I know you would like to brag on yourself a little bit, but I, I also think you might be humble. I'll brag for you. Back-to-back champs, and I think both years you've had your boy Josh Allen. So congratulations. Yep. Again, I'm sorry that I didn't get your money to you earlier, but it's okay. He, he's winning $200 every year, man, because Antonio Brown takes his clothes off during games. But I lost two receivers this year. They just quit. So I'm done. I'm screwed. We need Antonio Brown's son to come up through the reins and, and help me out. I, th- um, I think what I'm going to do next year is, first of all, it should be our league's goal to at least make you finish second. And at some point, you're, you're like Tom Brady at this point. You know, you've already got two championships. You're only five away from Brady seven. So we got to knock you off, buddy. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to draft my team the way I think, and then I'm just going to send you an extra five bucks to then manage the team. How's that? That works. But I can definitely manage your team. Um, five bucks. As long as five bucks a week or five bucks total? No, for the year. I'm not made of money like you. Oh, jeez. Don't start that. Um, <laughs> five bucks. All right. We can help you out with that. Why don't you just read my putts for me this summer every time we go up and then I'll manage your team for you. All right, man, let's transition over to uh, maybe your topic of conversation oh, yeah. you'd like to the most. Uh, if if no one knows this, and maybe some of the people that are listening do, but if you don't, uh, Pode was a baseball player, pitcher. I uh, went to college to pitch. I think it was, what, Bluefield and then Mount Vernon Nazarene is where you uh, went? Switch them around, other way around. So <laughs> Pode knows his baseball, and we'll try to make this still entertaining and not too controversial, but uh, the thing we want to talk about here is at least more so the steroids idea, but maybe more specifically on the Barry Bonds fact that after 10 years, the baseball writers did not vote him in, which I thought was kind of surprising. I figured they would make him wait nine years as his punishment for whether you believe he took steroids or not. I think he maybe you could correct me, Pod. I think he admitted that he did in court and now it doesn't matter. But let's be honest. I have a I have a baseball card of Barry Bonds when he was on the Pirates when I was like three or four years old, skinnier than me. So he either really pumped the iron or something was going on, but he's, he's not in the hall of fame and your opinions are, are valid, whether you think that's a good, good decision to not put him in or not. But for you, Pode, let's talk a little bit about that because I think you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that there could be a loophole to maybe possibly get him in. Yeah. So there's definitely a loophole. Um, and I don't know if you want to actually call it a loophole, but, essentially what happens is, is the baseball writers have 10 years to vote in a player. And then once that happens, there's actually a board or a council of veterans who are already in the hall of fame that then have the opportunity to vote in players. Um, So there are, so an example of that is the manager for the St. Louis Cardinals, Tony La Russa. That is actually how he was entered into the baseball hall of fame um, was to get voted in by the veterans on the board. Now, the other technical loophole is Barry Bonds could come back and play one inning as a baseball player again, and then his <laughs> 10-year clock would recycle. Now, I mean, Barry Bonds has got to be 50, 55, excuse me, 55 years old, and I can't see him going up there and standing against Jacob deGrom or Corbin Burns and trying to actually have an actual at-bat. But, I mean, there are ways to get him a new ballot. Um, but the bigger problem that I have is, is definitely – the steroid controversy and how it's impacted the game positively and negatively and not, I think people really 
they focus on the accolades and what taking steroids does to reach such a high level, reach an accolade, right? So just put it in perspective like this. Uh, right now, baseball is locked out. And the league minimum at the time of the lockout, I believe, for Major League Baseball was $650,000. It was around that number. So don't quote me if I'm off a little bit. But you're telling me that somebody can be on the Major League roster and not even play a game and make $650,000. That's more than... Yeah, I mean... You know what that is? That's Chase Daniel type right there. That is a Chase Daniel type strategy, my friend. Absolutely. So what about these guys that are in AAA that take steroids that are able to propel themselves to the major league level. Now I see that as cheating the game, but I also see it kind of as stealing a sense, right? I mean, you're stealing that money, but for major league baseball and the sports writers to keep out players like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, because they took steroids and set the records is the part that I have a problem with. Yep. If if Barry Bonds didn't break the home run record and he was just an average player, would he have been kept out of the Hall of Fame? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is the problem. Uh, yeah. The best example that I can use, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is David Ortiz. David Ortiz is on ESPN. He's on baseball tonight. I see him all the time when baseball season is going on. But in 2003, he was convicted of using steroids and performance-enhancing drugs while playing Major League Baseball for the Boston Red Sox. Was it convicted or alleged? No, they 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 found out that he did it. He tested positive for PEDs. So we're not breaking news here on the show. We're trying no, to No, we're not breaking news. This but, is all yeah. this is all yeah, very, very public. So the reason I bring this up is I am one of the biggest New York Yankee fans that mm-hmm. you will find. And the only thing that I can think of is David Ortiz was still a household name, but he wasn't the superstar at this point. And then in 2004, they beat the Yankees in the ALCS and went on to win, you know, the World Series that year, break the curse of the Bambino. And all I can think about is all these home runs David Ortiz hit and how he transcended himself, his legacy as this Boston Red Sox player. And to be fair, probably means more to the Boston Red Sox fans than Barry Bonds ever breaking the home run record would. But But David Ortiz is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And explain to me how that's, fair from a, a a standpoint of this guy used them to hit the home run record, but this guy is now publicly admired in the eyes of media and, and everything who did the exact same thing. So what I like about at least having this conversation with you is because I'm not just bringing my friends on here that are just going to say stuff that they don't know. Like you have a passion for baseball. My passion is Ohio state football. So if I say something about Ohio state, I hope people would at least take that for at least what it's worth, but you're a baseball guy. And I think you make a good point about if Barry Bonds wasn't the home run leader and the home run King, because I think everybody loves and appreciates and admires Hank Aaron. I wonder if he had 702 home runs, maybe he's in. I, I think that's a very interesting point. But I will say this, you go back to the 98 season with McGuire and Sosa, and a lot of people forget Griffey. He was in there, your boy, with <laughs> juggling yeah. Griffey. Um, Juggle it up. <laughs> we could share that story later or another show. But I, I will say this, the popularity of baseball skyrocketed when those baseballs were flying 400 feet. McGuire, Sosa, Griffey, that race, I remember it, man. I was 10 years old almost. And we just moved to Ohio. And I remember my brother and I pretty much like every day, like, hey, did 
we didn't have sports center nor cable at the time. We're like, Hey, wonder if, wonder if McGuire hit a home run. Oh, Sammy hit too, man. I understand they were both. I'm pretty sure the word is correct in saying convicted of steroids. I know they did it, but at the same time, man, that was fun. I think a lot of people say that, you know, those one to nothing, two to one games are boring. I think they would be wrong. I think they're fascinating, but I think the home run ball rejuvenated baseball and got kids like me more interested. So when it comes to Barry Bonds, I think it was like 2008, 2007, when this happened, people are loving this. And again, I'm not a fan of cheating. I'm not a proponent of doing that and and taking shortcuts and cutting corners. I'm not saying that at all, but I will say this. It takes some skill to hit a baseball, whether or not you're on the steroids or not. It still takes some talent to hit a ball that is moving and curving because man, when I was playing baseball for like Pony League and Babe Ruth, when I realized I wasn't trying out for the team was when that ball started to move, I was out. (laughs) I am not that good at baseball when that ball started to curve. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, if you if you do any kind of research on sports, if, if you just kind of Google what's the hardest thing to do in all sports, they respond, it is to hit a baseball. Um, it is incredibly difficult at the high levels. The ball moves inches, if not feet, and is moving pretty much faster than what you can really see it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that takes a certain level of skill and hand-eye coordination. But I will say, in Barry Bonds' defense, whether he took steroids or not, any time that you are intentionally walked with the bases loaded so the other team doesn't give up a grand slam to you and basically gives your team a run, yeah. I think that says something for you, whether you use steroids or not. All right, man. You made me think about something. I know you said that, and I'm a golfer. Uh, played baseball in college. I golfed and then quit in college, as I said earlier. What's harder? to hit a 90 mile an hour fastball with movement or to hit a green or a fairway on the golf course when you need it the most. Let's say you and I are playing a match for money. Cause I know you still want to try to beat me straight up one day. And when yeah. it happens, you're never going to let me live it down. And I'm going to go and I'm going to switch to tennis and I'm going to go play 40 loves. That's what's, right. what's harder fastball with movement or hit a fairway or a green when needed the most. Fastball movement. It, I don't even think it's a question to be fair okay. with you, Matt, because I, and, and I know you said I don't have to give an explanation, but I will. <laughs> I can very easily mess up my golf swing and still hit that ball in the fairway and halfway down, down the hole. I've done that plenty of times where I have topped an iron and it's rolled onto the green to five feet. <laughs> you know, if you, if we were to, to do this test and I was to stand you up there next to a roll to Chapman, you would, you would literally legitimately crap your pants. You wouldn't yeah. even stand in the batter's <laughs> box. You would want to be behind a wall oh, so yeah. that you, cause you would be terrified to get out of the way. I would and be, I, think, I would be in the upper deck. I would be out of there. I would get out of there so fast that, you know, like I always wonder, speaking of fast, do you think Uber drivers get a bonus if they beat their ETA? Because that's a great question. Do you remember our Uber driver in Cincinnati who was extremely hellbent on getting us to where we were going to go? He was impressive. I mean, in and out, weaving, bobbing, weaving. He was just like, hey, man, I know where I'm going. We're like, all right, cool. Thanks, dude. Don't kill us. Yeah, I I know where you're going. But if you don't get us there safely, we're all going to heaven. So slow the heck down a little bit. But that's just a thought I've always wondered, because I think that guy was a second cousin of the Andretti family. But yes. Araldus Chapman, if I'm in the batter's box, man, I am wetting myself and then I'm going to crap myself afterwards because that, that would be scary as hell. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, there's a really funny video. Uh, anybody who's listening who wants to kind of check it out, just go to YouTube and type in Randy Johnson, John Crook. 
and it'll <laughs> pop right pretty- up. I mean, he throws a pitch above his head, and the next three pitches he throws, John Kirk looks like he's on a merry-go-round. Can I can I pull your leg a little bit and tell a funny yeah. story about one of our trips on the golf course? Yeah, go for it. I should have asked you the question. What is harder, to hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball with movement or select a 6-iron versus a 9-iron at North Star number 2? <laughs> that is, yes, that is totally different. Now, so, yes, if anyone, I pull wrong clubs all the time. If you are, if you are not in or around the state of Ohio, North Star is a very nice golf course up by close to you, isn't it? Like by Powell now, past seven one in the. That's up in Sunbury. Yeah, Sunbury. Yeah, I'm. I we found out earlier in episode one. I'm terrible at directions, so thank you. We Sunbury. did. So the second hole, North Star, by the way, is a fantastic golf course. This will lead us into our next conversation with our our guests coming up in a little bit. But again, I'm just I'm just joshing you. Yeah, but, it's okay. So we're probably on. 150 yards away. You're in the right rough. I'm in the fairway. I have a wedge in hand and, and I pulled oh. the right club. So Poet is further away from me. We're in the fairway and, and he pulls his club and he flushes it. I'm like, dang. And my brother goes, oh man. And this thing zooms over the green and it goes, it doesn't even hint that it's going to touch the green. Clears the green, clears the rough behind the green and goes at least 15 yards into the bushes and the trees behind the green. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, he really bombed whatever the club that was. It was probably a nine iron. And all of a sudden, and I, I think you said something that we would just won't say here, but it rhymes with hit. <laughs> you go, oh, hit. And I'm like, what? He goes, oh, I pulled a six iron instead of a nine. And that explains why it went probably 30 yards over the green. Yeah, absolutely. So I should have asked you what's harder to pull the right club or hit a 90 mile hour fastball <laughs> movement. Oh, geez. It's just a good story. And you know, what's cool. And we've had a lot of good stories on the golf course. We came up with the brothers. Don't shake hands. Brothers got a drink snap from like five years ago, on Memorial day, but it, man, I'm just glad that you're a golfer now. So we can go out and, and hit some shots and maybe occasionally hit some good shots. And then you pull oh, the right club every now and then, but it's just fun playing golf with you, buddy. <laughs> It is, man. We, we have a lot of fun. I enjoy it. I really enjoy playing with your dad and your brother. That's yeah. a lot of fun for me. That's uh, the best. Dad, to your dad has a, a fantastic time on the golf course and, yeah. and, and it's fun watching him play. You know, it's fun playing with all you guys. Well, I will say this. Uh, you've gotten a lot better. I remember when it was Shank City when you first started oh, and you, you yeah. figured out your short game. I, I know you figured out uh, the long game. I just remember the best line that you usually have outside of you know, good hole, had fun. That's, that's a good line. But I do like the ones earlier on when you started to play, when you, you're on the golf course and you just sprayed your tee shot and you, and you missed the fairway, you missed the, the hole sometimes. And you're like, Hey, but I hit it far. <laughs> and you right. just have a good attitude. And I think that that's why everybody loves you, man. No, I just appreciate funny, that. And I think you have a good balance of being competitive, but also still being fun to be around while you're being competitive. I've shaved off some of my competitive side to try to be a little bit more like you on that end where, I mean, I still want to beat you when we play a match. Yeah. I still want to, I still want to take you down, but at the same time, you know, we're about having fun going out with my brother, you, my dad, one of these days I'll get you. Code and I is a twosome. We have completed the front nine of the show. So we're going to transition from baseball to golf. And so joining us on the back nine to round out the foursome here are 
two other really good friends of mine. So in just two episodes of the show, I've now had everybody that I stood next to at their weddings last year on the show. So I'd like to introduce two more of my best friends. One of those, Mark Scott Jr., who is the first assistant golf pro at Brookside Country Club. And the life of every party, Jason Lance, whose wedding was on New Year's Eve. And it was both weddings, fantastic weddings, like Pode's. The two of you, thanks for joining us on the back nine of episode two. And Mark, we'll start with you. How are you doing today, buddy? Hey, yeah, glad to be here. Doing well, thanks. How about yourself, buddy? I'm doing great. It's Friday. It's payday. Uh, I know you've had a lot of good golf trips already in the last couple of weeks. Lance, I know you haven't had as many uh, trips, but you look quite comfortable in your office there. Uh, I know you have a blanket keeping you warm. How are you doing? <laughs> it's the the cozy corporate lifestyle, work at home in uh, the COVID, COVID environment. Uh, Mark at least gets out of his house and head to the golf course every day. That's a dream, but corporate life uh, keeps you inside sometimes. We're going to talk about the 16th hole at the Waste Management. Both Mark and Lance have played at TPC Scottsdale, so I think they bring in also a very good perspective to this conversation. But I'll introduce why I'm bringing this up first. For those of you that don't know, the Waste Management, the 16th hole, it's more of a stadium. It's more of a other sports type environment. It's a lot more cheering and booing, and it's more of a party scene than what you'd expect at the Memorial or at especially at Augusta. But why we bring this up, why I bring this up is Sam Ryder incredibly made a hole in one on Saturday at the 16th hole. So I'm talking to a buddy of mine on the phone and the conversation was interrupted because of this ace talking about that experience and talking about that hole. I know what I'm about to say is going to make me sound like the get off your lawn guy. And I'm, I'm fully aware of that, but I'm old and I don't like change. So just bear with me. But I can also see both sides of this. So on the one side, I do understand that hole. I do understand that tournament. I understand the intention and the design is for an experience. And they had a hell of an experience. But I'm also old school. And I'm also the golfer who understands the intention and the design of the game is to be a gentleman's game. And what really kind of made my heart sink after the hole in one and how enjoyable that was, was to see the fans reaction but more so the, the celebration of throwing beers on the golf hole and spraying beers on the golf course. And to me, it detracted from the moment being a hole-in-one. And it was more about the fans' reaction. And it made my heart sink. It really did. It was, it was kind of disappointing. Uh, and the moment became more about the fans and their reaction rather than an incredible accomplishment. Uh, I know I haven't made a hole-in-one. Pode, I don't think you have. I know Lance has made a couple. Mark, you're the best of all of us. Have you made a hole-in-one? I have not, no. Hoping to uh, get one on the board here soon. But yeah, sitting at the good old goose egg currently. Mr. Relaxed over there, Lance has got two of them. So he's he's lapped the field. So <laughs> Lance, let me ask you this first. So you've made two of them. The reaction when you make an ace is not going to be you know, the most golf expected reaction. It's not going to be the hand claps and oh, nice shot, Mr. Lance. You're going to act a different way than you normally would. So what do you think? Is, is this golf hole? Cause you guys have played it. Is this an expected reaction? Is it okay to be an idiot there? Or am I just get off your lawn guy? And is it, is it disrespectful? This hole is dedicated to a party. Um, you know, the, the, it's one hole. I don't even know if there's another hole on tour that, kind of dedicates itself to as much of a party you know they open the gates at 6 a.m you run to the stands just to stand there and drink all day um 
it's different. And I think Mark can attest it in person. It, it doesn't look anything like it does when the stands are up and it's a stadium. I mean, this course is wide open. Once you kind of confine the space, it just, it, it kind of becomes that amphitheater of craziness. Um, it just feeds on that. But, you know, I've had a couple of hole in ones and, uh, you know, I like to have a good time and naturally I kind of go to the party. Let's, let's, grab the cart girl and do something fun because you know, this doesn't happen all the time. This is the tour. These guys are good. Um, they're going to make hole in ones more, a lot more often than the weekend players. Um, so I, I enjoy it. I think it brings some attention. Um, I guess it's back to that cliche of, you know, any attention is good attention to, to the tour, uh, at some point. Um, there are different lines that you can maybe say this is too far or whatnot, but, you know, I think it, it's fun to see it. I enjoy it. I think it's, uh, you know, a hole in one is kind of a sacred thing in the, in the, our golfing world. And I guess it's just kind of the environment or your surrounding that kind of determines how, you know, the celebration goes down and because of where they are and what the tournament has come to be over the past, I don't know, five to 10 years or something like that. That's kind of how these people react. So uh, it is what it is. It's a, it's a fun party hole. And, um, some people have quite a bit too much fun. Yeah. Um, Mark, I'll turn to you on this. So you're, you're the golf pro. You're the guy that prepares the course every day. And, and Brookside is a great course. I haven't played it yet, but I've seen the photos. I've heard your stories and it's a great golf course. So I felt really bad after seeing the hole in one. And I get your point, Lance, and you make good points. I'll be honest. I'll be the first to admit when I make a hole in one, I'm not acting reverent to the golf course. I'm going to have some fun. So I understand that. And I understand also that this is one hole. It's one week, one tournament, and it's an isolated event. But let's go on the golf side of things. So Mark, as a guy that works at a golf course and a prestigious one at that, how did that make you feel as a guy that might prepare a couple holes? Like for me, I felt really bad for the grounds crew. What do you think? You know, I certainly can see all sides of it. I think that in general, 16 at Scottsdale and especially that tournament in general, I think is a lot different than not only most events on tour, but also than a typical golf experience. I think our industry and just golf throughout COVID has really started to boom And, you know, with the whole aspect of people not being able to do things, canceling plans, you know, at my course and others in general, a lot more people are getting into the game. And it's not just the typical golf of 20 years ago when it was at a course, whether public or private, you know, you're seeing a huge rise in indoor technology, you know, whether it's a top golf, for instance, whether it's some indoor facility where you can hit balls and have a bar aspect. So I think you know, 16 at Scottsdale, when you have that many people surrounded by the hole and that amount of beverage consumption, it's almost, in my opinion, like having a bunch of fireworks around and someone holding a match and just hoping that it doesn't go off. So in my opinion, I think what happens there is might sound different than what you'd expect, but I think it is a good thing for the game. I think it shows that good thing in a way in general, that is not the typical thing and people need to realize that, but to get that many people 
out on the course in the stands there, watching that hole, having a good time with friends and able to celebrate. And I mean, the odds of a hole in one, even for a tour pro are, I believe about 3000 to one. So, I mean, to so what see, are your odds? You're a professional. What are your odds? 2,500 to one. Uh, all I'm going to say is I haven't had any yet. So I'm hoping <laughs> it's a couple more swings, but I think it also kind of helps make golf cool, you know, at your own course, anybody listening, let's not do that. But in that setting, I think it is an appropriate, appropriate response. And one that is kind of anticipated in or expected, you know, for all that stuff that got thrown out there, it was pretty incredible how quickly it got picked up. So clearly they were sort of anticipating it. I think, you know, that reaction at that hole for a hole in one, although it might seem over the top is kind of status quo, if you will, in that setting, it was acceptable keyword there is in that setting. That's not going to happen at Augusta. That's not going to happen anywhere else. So for that event, that's kind of what you could expect. But if that's the first event you watch, don't expect to see it at any yeah. other events. I think, yes, understanding the, the intention of that course and especially that Hulk, I think a lot of people go to that tournament that aren't there for the golf. I think they're there to, to get a little frisky and to have a couple too many. Uh, Poe, let me get your thoughts before I kind of finish up on mine. I, I have a feeling you have something to say. <laughs> Naturally, right? Um, you know, I, I listened to Lance and Mark, and I mean, I, I agree with both of their points. And I, and I think that I think that from their perspective is, you know, more of the golfer. They, they have a different outlook than maybe somebody like myself does. Um, I try to think about it from more of a broad scale. Um, you know, if you, if you go to a hockey game and a, and a player gets a hat trick, you get hats on the ice, um, you know, and, and that's just a very customary thing. And like Mark said, and Jason, in the setting, I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, I mean, the only thing that I really feel bad for was maybe the guy behind him that had to wait 15 minutes to hit his shot. But at the same time, he's excited because there's a hole in one and watching the fans and, you know, it probably keeps him involved as well. Um, I think what's interesting about it is I think it, it hits a lot of people in a different perspective, whereas golf over the last few years has really developed and exploded onto this market. And maybe the question should be asked if this is three years ago, does this still happen? If golf isn't as big, you know, as it is now. Um, and then the better question to ask is what happens in the future? Do we see, because of the increasing popularity, do we see another tournament pop up somewhere else that has another hole like this because of the popularity of it? Um, which I don't think is bad for the game of golf. Um, you know, sports will continue to adapt and persevere through all of time because it's something people like to do and it keeps them competitive and it engages friends and, and it's just plain fun to watch. So I, I, I have no problem with it. Um, I have a feeling that the host here may feel differently than the three of us, but Hey, that's the whole purpose of having this discussion too. Yeah. And like I said, in the first episode with Porter and the whole intention of the show, I'm not going to try to persuade any of you to change your opinion. And Again, this is not going to be first take. We're not going to have too many drinks here and make this drunk history. But I do have to ask really quick, Lance, what are you drinking over there? I know Pode's got the bourbon. I've got the brewskis because, you know, my nickname is Brew. What do you have to drink? Tonight was Uncle Uncle Ernie Margarita night. So my great uncle, <laughs> Ar- 
great uncle Ernie left me a uh, margarita recipe uh, okay. before he passed away. And um, it's his little famous concoction that he always liked to make for parties and holidays. And, and, and Friday whatnot. paydays, right? That's right. Uh, anything to celebrate is a, a margarita reason. There you go. How about how about you, Mark? I know uh, we've got pretty much everything you could get at a bar available to drink. We've got bourbon, we've got beer, we've got margaritas. What, what's yours? Are you mixing it up? Or are you sticking with one of ours? You know, I am sticking with one one that's already been mentioned. I am on the uh, bourbon train as well. Okay. I am sipping a pretty special bottle. It uh, was a bottle that I got on my bachelor party, so it brings back some good memories that uh, brew. And Lance were on. So yeah, yeah, just sipping on good times. It brings back some good memories and then it allows both Lance and I to provide you some other memories that you may not remember. So (laughs) that is also, that is also valid. (laughs) So bourbon takes the cake. Um, But going back to the environment, I think it's funny that we're all drinking while having this discussion. Uh, I do understand that it is a little bit different than like Lance would say at Augusta. I think Mark actually said it, but Augusta, or at even the memorial, I, I just I can't see someone chucking beer bottles on the eighth green at, at Muirfield Village. If they do, then Jack's going to have something to say about that. But I do think it's OK. And I think this tournament and that whole specifically permits it. And it allows people to be an idiot without repercussions. So I understand that. And again, I know I sound like get off my lawn guy. And I am. I've actually stood out, looked out my front window a couple of times and looked at these kids like, why are you in my yard? Don't you have your own yard? Like I just mowed, get off my yard. So I know I sound like that guy. And frankly, I'm becoming that guy, but I think Mark said it. Um, I felt bad for the grounds crew. Pode said it. I, I felt bad. It was Brian Harmon, by the way, who was, who was next up to hit. I kind of felt bad for the volunteers, but then I realized they probably wanted to be a part of that just as much as the fans. So I, I took them off my list, but I think if I had to choose a side, I would lean more on the disrespectful than the expected experience. But I also understand. Uh, But I would say this. I thought of the Ryder Cup, and I think some people would say that, well, the Ryder Cup does the same thing. They're similar, but they're not the same. The Ryder Cup, I think, does a very good job of balancing the experience and the enjoyment that the fans can have at such a unique event, while also balancing out the respect and class that golf brings to the table. I would hate to see it in five or 10 years that golf becomes just one big frat party. I would hate that. That's just my opinion. But I, I just think that the Ryder cup does it the best. You have fun. You can kind of berate the other team. You can cheer for your guys. You can boo them. You can cheer. You can have your drinks. You can dress like clowns, but not throw and litter on the golf course and tear up a fantastic golf course because you guys have played it. I bet you Mark and Lance, I bet you guys love that golf course. And I know Lance, you said it looks a little bit different when you're playing it versus when the tour is playing it. Cause they don't have those stadium seating around 16, but, but I come from the place where it's a gentleman's game. And I just wonder, like I'm drinking a rolling rock. What would Arnold Palmer say? What would we could ask Jack? I, I bet he would, save face and say it's good for the game but like deep down like i wonder what those guys would say but to me it was just a little bit of a line that was crossed but again i also can concede that it was one hole one week i could be on board with one tournament one year but yeah if this becomes a a weekly thing i'm gonna have to pick up cricket am i am i just that old i i know i'm kind of an old soul and my knees crack more than they should for being 33 but am i off my rocker here should i just shut up 
Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so, Brew. I really don't. I mean, I think that it's kind of like we talked about earlier in the show. Sports are very personal. Um, you know, the way you perceive an outcome or a situation or how you react to an event in sports is, is you, and that's how you feel. Um, if, if you don't like it, you don't have to like it. And that's the beauty of, of, a, of a sport is that you're allowed to feel that way. Um, so, no, I don't think you're off the rocker at all. And, and I think that, you know, going forward, if something like this happens again, I, I can see you reacting the same way. And I don't have an issue with that. I also could be a complete hypocrite because I know Lance is the only one here of the four of us that has an ace. And I'm going to be the first to admit, if, God willing, I make an ace, I'm going to act like a complete buffoon. And I hope that maybe one of you, hopefully all three of you are there to see it. And then you can vouch for me that I was a complete idiot. I hope it's on 16 at Scottsdale, bro. Yeah, that'd be great. And then I will take my shirt off like Harry Higgs and run around and show everyone what they don't want to see. Let me ask you this, Lance, since you're the only one here that has made one, much less two, what did you do when you made your first one? Because the second one, you know, you're a seasoned pro at this point. What did you do on your first one? And were you old enough to drink? And if you weren't, did you still? First one, I was I was not old enough to drink. Um, was playing with my normal foursome at, at uh, number eight at Scarlet. And I actually made it on the Monday or, the Monday or Tuesday after um, they hosted the U.S open sectional qualifying at Ohio state, same pins, same tees that I played as the pros. Um, so that was kind of cool to, to know that the pros had gone through there the day before. And I made an ACE on that hole, but I think I was, I don't know, 19 or 20. We were still in college. It was in the summer. Um, so I had a great time, really played crappy the rest of the day. Um, I think I topped a couple of shots. I maybe probably didn't break 80, um, a little too much excitement. Yeah, second one was a lot more exciting. Uh, when I lived in Austin, Texas, it was my member gas tournament. My dad flew in. Um, it was on like the, I don't know, 11th hole of the day. It was already unlimited drinks. Um, it was, you know, then it ended up being closest to the pin. It was a skin and, you know, the drinks were paid for. So I didn't have to pay for anything. And, uh, we all erupted. And the cart girl came driving straight to us because they knew that cheer that loud had to be uh, only a hole in one. So she sure. had the destination to go to, um, but it was some fireballs and uh, I kept all the money in my pocket, thankfully. And, and then got yeah. some more because um, I think everybody paid into bar tab or uh, bill or something like that, that, yeah. you know, everybody's billed five bucks a month for a hole in one. So um it was a great time to have it. And my dad was there to witness it. So, um, yeah. they both been pretty special. He's been there for both of them. So That's that cool. makes it pretty cool. My, my biggest fear is making an ACE playing by myself. And that's why I do everything in my power to play at least with someone. I don't even have to like the person I can join with them, but if it comes to a part three, I need someone there. So at least you had a witness what you got there, Mark. And all I'll say too, playing at Scottsdale with Jason was a blast. We played with, uh, my buddy, Justin Lauer, who just got his PJ tour card first year on the tour. And just because Jason has two more aces than I do, I've got to bring up the fact that if Jason was, we're playing in front of the fans at TPC Scottsdale, I think he would help your point brew because his ball would have traveled into the stands and probably knocked a fan out who would not have been able then to throw his beer yeah. onto the green. So just, just kind of brings everything together. But Jason with yeah. the two aces, what a guy, what a player. 
Yeah, both both Mark and Lance, if I didn't quit the golf team, we would have been teammates, but I still call them teammates, but I, I'm more importantly call them friends. So yeah, I would probably do the same thing. I'd probably pull one, hit a fan, maybe ricochet off their beer can back onto the green. But yeah, if you take out a fan, that's one less waste to manage. Uh, either I'm way. just happy I made a bogey from the middle of the stands when we played yeah. there. The stands were up. I had a terrible wedge it was like a hook draw pitching wedge ended up underneath the stands and i'm like well why would i take a unplayable or move Play the it? ball as it lies yeah so i hit my second shot it hits one of the bar- crossbars underneath <laughs> the stands and whatnot then i hit an amazing like low pitch runner spinner to like 20 feet and made the putt for the best bogey of my life <laughs> it was truly incredible it was it was fun to watch I, the story alone is incredible. I wish I could have seen it in person. So yeah, it reminds me of Happy Gilmore. I, I'll just beat him now. He, he chips it over what probably seems very similar to what you had to chip through. So nice four, Lance. Nice four. <laughs> Speaking of nice fours, this was this was a good discussion with with Poe, myself, uh, Mark Scott Jr., and Jason Lance. So uh, guys, I appreciate you joining me as guests today, and I look forward to having you both here down the road as co-hosts where we talk a little golf and then lance will talk about new year's eve and uh, at least if nothing else i can remind you that it, the next day will be your anniversary so <laughs> don't forget all right so as we usually do to end the show we have a little game or a topic specific to the co-host so today Dude, let me take you. I know. I'm sorry. I hate to cut you off because I know where you're going and it's so much fun. But I have to just say this because I thought about this the other day while I was driving home. And it, it's so funny how when you invest yourself into a sport or an activity, you, you start to see yourself change with that activity. Right. And the only thing I can think about is when I was younger and I played baseball, man, if I was in a, I was always in you know, my baseball gym shorts and my cutoff sleeve t-shirt that had my baseball team logo on it. And now it's like, and all I want to do is wear freaking polo shirts and golf pants or golf shorts everywhere. And, and my title is yeah. that, right? So, yeah. and, it, and it's like that with everybody in sports, you know? So it's, it's just kind of crazy how that transforms you into, you know, what you do. So sorry, sorry to add it in. No. I just had to. You're good, man. I, I know you're, you might still try to deny the fact that, man, you're, you're a golfer, dude. Welcome to the club, man. Appreciate it. Get the clubs ready. So the game for Pode, as we will do moving forward, and I have an idea, and, and I'll pitch it to you here, no pun intended as a baseball player, but I'll pitch it to you in a second. But the game for Pode, when he's on the show and co-hosting, is called What's in the Bag? The reason behind it is, and, and I yeah. told you, you, you've got the bug for golf. You've got the itch for golf. But I also think you've been bitten by the craze of buying, searching for, and investing in lots of golf clubs so what we're gonna do i I know it's february the 25th and we're the weather this week's been kind of nice so you kind of feel like maybe you can sneak in nine holes but every time you're on the show we're gonna play what's in the bag and pode every time we go golf and we play a lot together because as i said he's just a, a good guy fun to be around for five hours but it seems like every week that i see you and play golf with you big man you have different clubs or a different composition in your bag so we're going to play every time you're on the show. We're going to ask you on Friday, hey, Pode, what's in the bag for Saturday or Sunday? And then we're going to discuss it. And maybe we can circle back. And every week you come on the show for maybe five minutes. Tell us what's in the bag for this coming weekend. But then also, you also have to report back to us how the previous bag's composition actually worked for you. Good or That's bad. That's fair. 
What do you think? That's fair. Yeah, I'm totally down. Um, they're, they're right now currently in the garage and in my spare bedroom, there is quite a, <laughs> quite a collection of golf clubs. So quite a collection. Yes. Would you like me to tell you what I have? So let's do this. The question to you now is what new clubs maybe have you gotten, but more so first round of the year, 18 holes, probably late March, early April. What are you putting in the bag for round number one? Man, that's a good question. I haven't you played have all so winter. Many choices here. Yeah, well, I haven't played all winter, so I'm thinking I got to go with something that I'm pretty confident with, and I think I can hit well, especially when it comes to my irons. I, I only have one driver right now, and I have uh, I'm the Ping, amazed. the Ping G425 Max, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it's annoying. The sound is really annoying, but the club is really straight, and it hits the ball really far. So right. I love that driver. Um, uh, wedges. How many putters ooh, do you have? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, I sold one. I sold one of my Scotty Camerons, um, so I don't Has, have that. Hashtag one, one of. That means he's got multiple in the stock. <laughs> <laughs> just, just one left now. But I have okay. a Nike putter from the British Open that they yep. made before they stopped making clubs. I have two charm. Mizuno putters. <laughs> I have a Scotty Cameron. I have, and Can I, I have not. Can I yeah, stop I have an Odyssey. Go ahead. What you got? Pode has already calculated more putters that he currently has available to use than I've had in my entire golfing career. And I started when I was 13 years old. So this is 20 years. I've had three putters. Pode has already, I think, mentioned five. So yes. this is why we're doing this segment with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I, I am a collector um, as a baseball guy. Um, I... I like brands that I'm familiar with. Okay. That's fair. That's so, fair. so when I came into golf and I started researching golf clubs, one of the first things I read about was Mizuno. And I was like, no way. The running bird is in golf clubs. I was like, I'm sold. I'm immediately hooked. So I immediately became a fan of Mizuno and I found out all their clubs are fantastic. So I have two old putters that are, oh man, they were made in the early 2000s that are worth some serious money that I got off eBay. Um, but I will go with my Odyssey, my Odyssey white hot putter. Um, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to hold you to this Odyssey. Oh, man, I, yeah, it's an Odyssey white hot. Um, I, I picked, I picked it up at a play against sports. It's, it's actually the new one. Do you realize that golf shops and places around Columbus now know you as the big redheaded guy? <laughs> uh, par golf up on Salmo road definitely knows me by my first name. So, I bet they do, yeah. uh, my buddy, Travis and I, we have definitely gone in there and spent oh. some money in there and they, you know, through some other connections, they definitely know us. So Odyssey <laughs> white Hawk, that was a played against sports find. Okay. Uh, that is a $270 putter and I got it for a hundred bucks and it's brand, it looks brand new. I mean, right. it, it was, I feel like it was a steal. I couldn't say no to something like that. Getting some deals. Wet, wet wedges. I'm playing uh, Cleveland, the RTX zip cores. Um, right. I just play a 60 and a 54 in those. So nothing too crazy, but those, those are my only two wedges that I play. So right. and what are the uh, irons? irons is the big one. Um, first round of the year, I'm probably going to end up playing with the Mizuno MP32s. Um, MP32, that yep. So, uh, picked them up on eBay. Great clubs. Let me ask you this. So I've written down your choices and for the listeners out there that are not taking notes, I don't blame you, but I did <laughs> ping, ping driver, mm -hmm. Cleveland wedges, Mizuno mm -hmm. MP32 irons and his Odyssey white hot putter. Now question. Mm -hmm. 
do we penalize you on round number one, one stroke, if that's not the bag composition? I think we should. I, I mean, I can tell you right now that in my bag in the garage, that's not the irons that are in there. I have another set that I finished the year with. Those are just beautiful. They're beautiful clubs, but they're, but the faces are too small. They're really hard to hit and not playing all year. I think that that would kind of, I'd really struggle to find the center of the club. So the best thing about this show is we have this now on record. Pote is on record, folks. Ping driver, Cleveland wedges, MP32 irons, Odyssey white hot putter. If the composition is not that way round one, we play with each other. One stroke added to that first hole. Totally, totally fine. <laughs> Better make I'll bird, do, man. <laughs> probably do that on my own when I hit one in the woods. So, <laughs> Well, that about wraps it up, folks. Thanks to my company today. For co-host Andrew Podolak and my guests, Mark Scott Jr. and Jason Lance, I'm Matt Brubaker. The soundtrack for the show is brought to you by PremiumBeats.com. Please like, subscribe, and follow me on the Twitter machine, personal at MattBrew3, the show at Brew & Company. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, life isn't about the people you meet, but about the company you keep. Cheers. Cheers.